everyone you're yeah, welcome to today's podcast satire radio it's been a while we've taken time off to you know review our mission and we are very happy with our new direction which is to use the talents of reading and writing to spread the gospel of jesus we are so happy with that new direction and um it's such an honor to have the author we have with us today, she she will be the very first author we'll be would be interviewing right after we took this new turn. So I'm going to do a bit of an introduction. Her name is Mrs. Elizabeth Oke. She's a seasoned educator, artist, Christian, and an accomplished parent by the grace of God. She is also a motivational speaker who is very passionate about children and women. She's a graduate of the University of Benin, the great University of Benin. (laughs) Where she earned a Bachelor of Arts in Education. She also holds the Nigeria Certificate in Education, NCE, from Adeyemi College of Education, Ondo State, Nigeria. She commenced her career as an educator in the Lagos State teaching in the Lagos State Teaching Service in 1983. So during her illustrious career as an educator, she was known for her passion for education, diligence, and warm affection for her students. After a fulfilling career spanning 25 years, that's no mean feat, during which time she served as a teacher and vice principal. She retired from the Lagos State Teaching Service as an Assistant Director of Education in 2009. Elizabeth served for many years as a Sunday school teacher in the Child Evangelism Unit of the Apostolic Church Nigeria for over 25 years, and she's a deaconess in the church. She is married to Mr. Babajide Oke, an engineer and elder in the same church. They are passionate about parenting, and by the grace of God, they are blessed with three God-fearing children. I'll let you know how she can be reached by the end of this podcast, so just listen. So you are very welcome, Ma. Thank you. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> yeah, as I was reading through your bio, I'm like, wow, like, <laughs> you know, the first time I read it, I'm like, okay, wow. Um, you've done so much for yourself in very short time, especially, especially in just 26 years, you were able to climb, make that climb up to assistant director, you know. Yes. Yeah, how were you able to do that? That was, that's, that's really stellar, like, I don't know if you sit back sometimes to think about it, you know, how were you able to achieve that? Well, of course I do, but um, well, thank God for everything, because uh, you cannot achieve any tangible thing in life without the backing up of God Almighty. So I want to give the glory to God, and I also want to say it also has to do with dedication and consistency in your efficiency. You know, when you are efficient in what you are doing, and you are consistent, you know, with time, um, like in Lagos State now, most of the staff, you know, when you start working after some time, 
to make sure you start going through some interviews, some exams and interviews and things like that. And at times, uh, this interview, uh, these exams and interview will also usher you to the next level, then the next level, and then the next level. You know, I think, um, uh, I wouldn't say I was fortunate, I was favored, highly favored by God. And uh, I was serious in all what I did for the, uh, during the time I was in, in service. I didn't, I wasn't joking. I didn't joke with any aspect of the teaching career. You know, from the administrative aspect to the academic aspect, and I was involved in everything. And I would even want to say one thing that happened when I started the my career that uh, almost shook me a little bit was when I was called upon to come and take over um, as a year to talk. Then they call it year to try and they go sit. I don't know whether they change it now. Okay. The, the year to talk means you'll be in charge of some classes, not only your class as a class teacher. And as a young lady, you were supposed to be just a class teacher, you know. But um, after a year or so, or about two, two years or so, the lady that was in charge of my own arm, as the year tutor was a little bit down, she was sick. You know, so with the agreement of the year tutor and the, my principal, you know, my principal said she, she believes, then I used to be Mr. Debbie, that she believed Mr. Debbie could take up the arm. The, the five arms, you know, as a year to talk. So this almost sparked up some jealousy and, you know, some talking here and there. Say, how can such a young lady who has just started working just barely two years plus? Yeah. Uh, but that was the first challenge I had. And um, God gave me the grace because I was very passionate. Like I told you from the beginning, I, I've been passionate about children. So I had a booklet, you know, with many of them didn't know, except the children I was, uh, I was handling that time that had problems. Children that had problems, I had a booklet for them, I had the problems written out, you know, and all that. There was no phone then, anyway. Mm. So I make sure each time they come back to school, the second day we carry on from where we stopped the previous day. It could be during the break time and things like that. We had some discussions. And so that was how God started lifting me up. I, I went through the Keda, you know, the, the, the ladder of the, the career, my career rather just the normal way any Lagos State staff would. But because I didn't fail any exam, I didn't fail any interview, maybe that was what, you know, helped me. Because if you fail any exam and interview, you know, you will not be promoted to the next level. So, but God on my side, you know, I was always succeeding in everything I did. I think it was just God and the passion I had for the job. Right from secondary school, I knew I would be a teacher. I told my dad, and they said I should write a composition then. I said I wanted to be a teacher. I want to end up as a commissioner and this and this and this, commissioner of education. And I, you know, it was so exciting. And people were not interested in teaching them, but I was. So I'm really, I'm really surprised that you knew that's what you really wanted to do. That is, you were very yes. specific. You wanted to teach, you know. And yeah. my daddy wanted me to become a broadcaster, but I said no. Wow. I wanted to. No, well, but considering the fact that we have to respect our parents, you know, and sometimes their decision for us. And at that time, especially, I know that then it was really, really, yes. So how were you able to stick to your guns and say, you know what, I want to teach? Well, well, I was because my dad was not a fussy, he was not a, he, he, he allowed us to choose whatever career we actually wanted to. But he only encouraged us wherever he sees 
I think you this will also you're fitting into this the way I see you, you know, ask questions a lot, you are interested in this and that, yeah. you know, and when the news is going on, you I will sit down by the television and then everything like that. So when he knew that he saw it in me that I started teaching this on the school right from before I got with it, I was a spinster when I was teaching this on the school. So he didn't argue because he just saw the flow. Yeah, you know, that I easily flow with children. So there was no problem about it at all. I didn't have any problem for my dad or my mom. Yeah. It's always well speaking as a child. I know how how heartwarming it is to know that your parents are on your side, like personally. Yes. It always for me that for me that is even it's always a sign for me that okay if my parents agree then this is a good sign you know and all that and just be patient with them even when they disagree you know and just pray (laughs) yes and that the holy spirit inspire them to see your reasons okay so and and so that leads me to my next question so all through your book there was something I I I noted I saw that you you had this um, attachment connection with your students. So you, you, put in, you put in feelings, emotions, you know, you put your heart into teaching, right? And you were a, in fact, you are a visionary teacher because, you know, it takes a lot to look at someone and just know that this person can be more, you know, this person is more, and coming more so from a teacher who just wants to do their, well, speaking about teachers as we know some of them, they just want to do their jobs and go home. But you took mm-hmm. that special care, that special attention, you put, it that, you put that into your profession. So I want to find out, is it that it was, so, so, so during your education, is that supposed to be part of the... <laughs> Of, the, of teaching, or it was something you personally decided. You know, was it was it something that you personally decided to do, or did it stem out of being a Christian? I think I think it's just natural with me, because um, right from childhood, I love children. I love children, and uh, like I told you earlier on, I, I've been involved in the children's Sunday school. I think it's just natural with me. Then. Um, I would also say that then when we started the teaching career, I started from Adiyemi College of Education, and uh, we were made to know that teaching is actually supposed to be child-centered, mm-hmm. you know? But it's, it's comes, um, it becomes easier for someone who has that passion for children. You know, if you don't have passion for I've, I've interviewed someone before that person told me that uh, you know it, I think it starts, it starts to do me with marriage and the person was saying she doesn't want to have a child at all okay. because she couldn't stand the cry of children you know so that's just an example if somebody like that finds herself in the teaching career and I'm sure there are people like that in the teaching career especially yeah. now that jobs are not easily to come by you know uh, somebody finds herself in the teaching career the passion she would uh, put into the the, the the profession wouldn't be as someone that is the thing is naturally flowing mm. in, flowing out from, you know, and then someone that has vision, someone that has plan before you go to your classroom, you already have you know, it's like God talking to you what you are going to meet at times, you know because your mind is open to God 
your mind is open to the profession. Your mind is even open to the children. Maybe the children discuss, somebody discuss something with you in the classroom. If you're not passionate, you will forget before you get home. But if, if when you are caring about the children or a particular child who had a problem and you can empathize with such a child, you will get home and still reflect on what you discussed with the child. Think of the next solution, how you can get the best solution for that child, especially if the child is from a broken home or is from a home where parents are so busy that you don't have much time to attend to such a child. So I, 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 I started like that as a young lady. And it's before, before, and now I'm over 60. So you can imagine, it's already part of me. It's already part of me, you know, because I, I grew along with the profession. I wasn't too good when I started, but God kept teaching me. And then, and then my um, constant relationship with the children also helped me to also grow. I learned a lot from them too. That's really, that's 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 really beautiful. <laughs> that's really beautiful. So I, I I teach children how to read and write too because of Satire Africa. It's part of our um, corporate social responsibility. So we go into the communities to teach children, and I know how it can be overwhelming when you meet children with some needs and you can't meet them. So I don't know if you were able to cope with that so did it not overwhelm you sometimes where and you have to see this child every day at least for me it is we, we do it we used to do it every friday but now we decided to do it quarterly so that to be more sustainable so you have to yeah. see the children every day didn't you were there not times where you just felt overwhelmed like um what's this type today exactly and the problem is still there and there's only so much you can do. You're a teacher. You're not even the child's parent. So, you know, sometimes when you speak to teachers and you tell them, oh, but couldn't you have done something? And they're like, oh, well, I'm just a teacher. There's only so much I can do. So how do you, how are you able to balance that? Uh, everything boils down to interest. Mm. Just like you said, at times you could meet with someone who has problem from home that you know that the roots of the problem are <laughs> actually the parents yeah. you know and then this we cannot call as cold ahead but um what we can do is just to lift up the spirit of the child by encouraging the child that what he's passing through is just temporary phase mm. you know there's no permanent phase in life the only thing that is constant in life is change and then uh, when the child comes to school and the child discovers that he or she has a, a, a confidence, you know, mm. a special one in quotes, who is ready to listen when the parents are not ready to listen. That will even motivate the child to want to come to school. Mm. And for that child to keep coming and keep coming back to you, even if the child comes with a problem that is a little bit overwhelming, I believe, you know, as someone who is also interested in seeing the child improving, you could even seek advice from people like your principal, you know, as a young teacher, you can seek advice from counselor and things like that, you know, that you can even get home and pray about it as a Christian. I prayed a lot about most of the things you saw in my book. You know, there was a particular child, you know, if you allow me to just chip this in, there was a particular student that um, um, I noticed most of the time at the, the assembly ground, then we used to be line up outside, you know for a morning uh, assembly before going inside, you know, where we pray and then just to brief exhortation to the children to encourage them before we go to the classroom. 
And I noticed that the child is always coming with very dirty uniform, whether Monday or Friday. Wow. No, this particular day, the child came with and was about to be punished with others. And then I also noticed that the child was looking very feeble and fragile, you know, weak. But the teacher that wanted to punish was a man. He didn't say this. And there was, there was other teachers at the back of the students. We usually line up behind them, you know. So I, I was, at that time, I was the vice principal, you know, and no, then I was just a year to talk, senior year to talk, then not the <laughs> young one, you know, I discussed yeah. about then I had, had, had about 12 years experience then. So this particular child was about to be, in fact, to be came because they asked them to kneel down, those that came late, you know, and they were going to be given some punishment, either to uh, hold grass, cut grass and things like that, some little, little things like that. So I look at them, I said, they should please excuse that child. And I want to speak with the child after the assembly. So I just withdrew the child from the list. Then I told one or two teachers, I told them, I said, can you notice anything about this child, you know? So they said nothing, they cannot, that is dirty. I said, yes, it's dirty, but it's more than that. So we now, I now called one other woman, we started child together and we started discussing with the child, like interrogating or kind of interacting. So we now later discovered that the child was not staying with the father or mother. The child was staying with the grandfather. Wow. The parents were divorced. The father had gotten another wife. So the grandfather, an old man, could not take good care of him. This boy was a little lazy, could not even wash his clothes. Or maybe there was no soap, I don't know. But he comes dirty and fragile. So I said, have you eaten anything this morning? They said, no. And I took it up from there. So we now took the child into the staff room to my corner and we tried to ask more. I later took the child to the father. I went to my principal and told my principal, please, I think I want to follow up this thing more than now, more than the way it is. It should please just permit me, you know, because I was free on the timetable. He said, why not, why not, this is okay, you can, you can. So I took the child out, you know, put the child in my vehicle and then we drove to the, to the father's company. I was so, I was shocked to know that the father has a, a big a large company, large expanse of land, you know. So when we entered, I said, Are you sure your father is the owner of this company? He said, Yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> so we drove in. I went with two females and a male, all of us teachers. Then I wasn't a vice principal, like I told you. I think it was the third year I became a vice principal. So when I now got there, you know, we tried to talk. I, we, we actually tried to try to stay inside the vehicle <laughs> with one of the teachers because it was so dirty that in fact his hair was brown, brownish, you know, dirty. It means he had not washed the hair for a long time. So when we got there, the man was scared. I will not told him the child is actually in the vehicle, but we could not bring the child out because the child is looking so dirty. So let me just cut the story short. So the father was just apologizing. Mm. We now told him, you don't need to apologize to her. You even owe this child to apologize, not, not the teachers. You know, so he later came out, went to the vehicle, and we, we, after talking to him, we made sure he, he promised us that the child would come back. It was on Friday, we'd come back to school on Monday looking different and better than this. So the father made sure he quickly sewed new uniform. <laughs> New white socks, the stocking, everything, brown side down. <laughs> if I bought everything, when the child came on Monday, he was looking like a prince. 
Wow. That is how I can. That is, yes, because I love calling children, my children, prince and princesses, you know. So he was actually looking like a prince. Hey, we were so happy. So he came straight to the staff room and came to me and said, Mommy, that was what he was calling me. Mommy, ah, I said, ah, I look at him. I said, wow, I got up and I embraced him. I gave him a huge hug. And all the teachers were joking. I said, hey, 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 is this a child? Mommy, you know? But I didn't use that name in my book. And that was how the life of that child was transformed. The elder brother is in another school, staying with the grandpa too. They are two, but in another school. And they were facing the same problem. And that was how God changed, transformed their life. He became more serious. He became, of course, he, he, the father made sure he was giving him enough money to eat. Okay. Even if he didn't eat from home, he would make sure he gets something to eat with the food sellers in the school during the short break. So, you know, that's just one of the stories. Wow. I think it's, it has to do with interest, you know, and your passion for children. Yeah. You know, actually, the world has never been in need of passionate parents more than now. Mm. Mm. Considering the hustling and bustling and things in the society, the society we live in, you know, the fact that parents hardly have enough time to attend to their children. This has resulted into many children, children withdrawing mm. into their shell. And when the child starts um, withdrawing, because parents don't have time, they, they are fond of outsourcing their parental duties to either house help, uh, steward, nannies in some cases, and things like that. So some children withdraw, and before you know what is happening, they go into depression, but parents don't know children can go into depression. They do. I'm very happy you just brought this up, you know, that a child can be depressed. So I saw that as part of the yeah. issues children can have if they live in such environment inside the book. I just want to say that we have spent the first part of our discussion on teaching. So I'm going to, I'm going to ensure that the podcast will be in, in two, one about teaching and then one basically about the book, because I think a lot of people need to hear what you are saying. So looking at the way the economy is you know, inflation rates just skyrocketing. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I, I don't want to say, I don't I don't like to mention it because I have hope that it's going to get, uh, but the fact that um, there, there, there seems to be this, um, people talk about untold hardship, you know. So parents have to go out, you know, to get, to get, resources for the children to grow and anytime you talk to parents they always say it's for my children for my children for my children and so children are basically left in the mercy of teachers who may not like mm. to have the kind of passion that you have you know um, um, in teaching so how do we you know when it comes to teaching in this century in this time how do we really ensure that the teachers teaching our children actually know what they are doing you know it's it has it's 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 a it's a very you know this topic <laughs> this question is multifaceted because the truth is you know sometimes i just think i'm like are you sure we won't just start doing homeschooling because that's the kind of things we see in schools these days is worrisome so how would you how would you um, advise teachers of this in this time and then parents who are trying to give the best to their children 
you know especially when everything they are doing seems to to the excuse is always my child my child i have children i have a family my child and if you look at it it's not like these children don't really understand what they are doing so how do we balance this what would be your advice well my advice would be like um in child education like i told you earlier on the child education is supposed to be child-centered mm. so when you want to enroll your child in the school I think you should start from there you know, one should be able to go extra mile to make some inquiries about the school you want your child to be enrolled in this is very very important mm. and then i would also want to advise parents to stop uh, all this uh, uh, maybe I'll call it competitive spirit that we have in Nigerians. You know, Nigerian parents compete no. a lot in so many things. No. Uh-huh. They even compete when it comes to uh, fixing their children in one school or the other. Oh, my child is attending so 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 school. My child is attending so 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 school. Is the best school in Abuja or Lagos yeah. or Port You know. And um, uh, I, I will also uh, want to say, like I put in my book, that. Um, Mm, big infrastructure does not necessarily make a, 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 a trans. It doesn't translate to a successful or quality. Uh, any quality education for that child. But uh, because most of the time we deceive ourselves, we want to compete. We want to belong to one class up there, mm. you know. So most parents don't know that it is better to find out what qualities, what type of what kida? What what are the qualities of the teacher you have in the school? You know, uh, are they are they qualified for each of the class they are in? Mm-hmm. You know, when you have helpers in the class, are the helpers are they well trained? Uh, are they the type who just shout and yell at children and cane the children behind when they are not supposed to use cane? You know, and uh, all sorts of things like that. You know, and they want to know if it's good to have good infrastructure. And in support of it is very good, but it shouldn't be the the, the uh, topmost desire of any parents. You know, once you see the big building, you are carried away. You want to go there to find out some of these things I've just mentioned. You know, there are some qualities you want to see in teachers. You know, there are some some things like this passionate aspect we talk about. If you have a child, maybe you are you are in the class where we have a kindergarten children or children in primary one or. or, or or this play group and things like that. And, and the child wants to go to the toilet and you ask the child to sit down there. You only go two times. Either you go during short break or long break. I mean, and the child ends up urinating on the, <laughs> just messing up himself, you know, in the yeah. classroom. And then you are annoyed. Oh, you have messed up the chair, the this and that, 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 that. You know, it happened to one of my uh, children when they were, I think he was in kindergarten class then. And then, uh, this was a child we were trained so much that we not try such a thing at home. Mm. If he wants to go to the toilet, he will tell you. He will tell you in the language you understand, and you take him to the toilet. And if such a child, after starting school, now find himself in a place where he cannot easily go to the toilet, he will end up urinating and messing up himself. The child, the second day, said he wouldn't want to go to school because of that embarrassment. And because of the father, the teachers scolded that child. You know? And if a child at that level, that foundational 
background that the child is supposed to have is being threatened by a teacher and the child cannot sit down to, 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 to concentrate and focus on what the teacher is doing. It's always frightened by the sight of that teacher. That, that parent, if the parent is not careful, doesn't follow that type of child up, you know, to, to try and find out why it happened and make sure it doesn't happen again, he can start messing up the steady growth of, that the child will have. You know, but some schools such thing cannot happen. Mm. In some schools, such thing cannot happen because they have enough hand. Not that they have competent hands, then they have passionate people who are handling each class. Mm. I'm writing. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'm writing down the points. Uh, okay, so so for uh, not mentioned uh, because I don't know. No, it's fine. No, no, no. What you just said is really helpful, and and, and then. And then from everything you've said, even if you didn't mention it specifically, is that there needs to be some form of very good communication between each other and the parent in terms of schooling. Because yes. if your child, if, if your teacher scolds you and your parent, your child, your, 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 your parents find out and they're able to manage that perception you may have, you know, to let you know that, oh, yes, a teacher did this. That's, that, I'm, I'm talking about first level intervention before going to find out such a teacher, why did you do this and that? So I, I think if, yeah, if parents are, are very sensitive, they might be able to intervene in some of these issues before they really get to the psychological, um, uh, what's the word? Aspect. Yes, aspect of the child. That really something I call catch, catch them young. You know, yeah. you bond with your child right from cradle, not even from school age, right from cradle, you bond with your child, communicate a lot with the child, listen to the child, even babies talk. Yeah. Yes. A baby may want to try, you know, try to uh, communicate something to you that uh, maybe the child is feeling heat, you know, or the child is hungry and things like that. The baby could cry, could giggle if it's happy, you know. There's a way a baby can communicate to the parent, especially in mothers when they are breastfeeding. Mm. Babies communicate to parents, particularly to their mothers. You know, looking at the mother's eyes, the expression, he could smile, he could giggle, he could, he could even pinch the mother on the breast and things like that. You know, and so there are different ways the child can communicate. So when the child is growing, before the child starts schooling, you already understand your child, you understand the language the child can speak when he gets to the classroom. You know, so when the child comes back and tells you something, you know the child is telling the truth. <laughs> even at that age, children don't lie. They don't lie. Yeah. They will say it the way it is. Yeah. Uh, even if the teacher presses them, I say you must not tell your mommy at all because you are bounded well with the child. That bond is there. The child will still tell you. But when the male parents are not available, mm -hmm. and the only person they meet is probably the house help. The house help is also doing some work in the kitchen. Brought back the child from school and just throw the child in, just sit in the sitting room and maybe put the food on the floor, go and sit down, eat it anyhow. Can't try the place. I'll arrange it when you finish. And that's, you know, and the child cannot express the mind and tell the house self, this is what I've passed through today. So if a child has that good foundational background, every other thing will fall in that. Everything will fall in place. You will hardly have much problem, you know, seeing mm -hmm. these children progressing well in the school. So that foundational bond, I will say it again and again, is the most important. So the communication in different language. You know, our parents, they, they, they communicate with their eyes, with their nose, with their legs. Everything. They can pass the 
compassion and teach you and know what that teaching means. If you don't know, she will come back and pinch you. You will know what stand at the door when the doctors are in the sitting room and we just look at you and just raise the one ear up. You just you know where you have to disappear. The informal education we give our children are like that. They are all informal, you know, to understand you, you know, understand you, you know. I get it. So, yeah, that's, yeah, everything you just said, just, I think you just um, gave very, very um, deep lessons that parents and teachers need to look out for. But also, well, I'll keep speaking as a, a child. I also think that sometimes parents are quite ignorant of the fact that babies shouldn't really be babied in the sense that they just think babies are babies. So all they need is mm. food, you know, and just give them television. They learn a lot, even at that age. Exactly. <laughs> I keep saying that, but you guys, I hope you know these babies, they are, this is even like the most fertile time to put things in their head and show them how you want them to grow because they understand, yeah. you think they don't understand, they do. So they can, they, they, if a baby can perceive your fear and become afraid of that same thing, then that tells you that the baby understands. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. So I really don't get it when parents are too concerned about babying their children you know and not helping them to relate with reality it's a very disturbing trend that is happening now so you just see children going yeah. up they are not in touch with reality you know they just think do you, like, know, what? Just, do you know what yeah. these babies we're talking about you know from maybe i would say from day one yeah immediately from from day one as we bring the child home, the first great connection is the breastfeeding. Mm. Apart from the fact, okay, you bathe the child, you do this and that. But the first one that ties the child to you is the breastfeeding as a mother. And when the father is around, the father too should be involved. It's not only the mother. When the child, when the child sees the father also sitting down, the child could giggle, look at the father's face, I just giggle and then continue sucking. And then look again at the father, you know, that is communication. That is bonding. If we get to a stage, the child will get used to, okay, I also tie my dad is always around when I'm sucking at 637. That means the father is back from work. You understand what I'm saying? So the, the child now knows that, okay, this man, I don't know who he is, but he goes out. But later, he will show up. So, he may not know the time, but the child will know that at a particular time, this person the is father will be there. Yeah. To smile, to talk, to laugh, to touch the child. You know, the child is, you know, maybe just playing or sucking and things like that. That's bonding. So parents are supposed to unite and bring the children up because from zero, from the first day to the the first three years, they already know. Child has has learned enough that to make up a good foundation for a bad one. Mm the child will later build on in life. So what the child sees, if the child sees a peaceful home, friendly home, a loving home, home that shows that they accept that child, the child will, will grow. Naturally, the child will also grow to become a peaceful child. Mm. Very peaceful in every way. But if the child grows up in a home where you have parents always quarreling, or maybe I'll use 
uh, Yoruba language. Uh, where where the father we always call the mother. Oh, Rory, see the big head. Rory yeah. la, Rory buruku. You know things like that. Or we say ah, uh, 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 any language that is foul and dirty, that child will pick it. There was a child that got to school and they were asking the child in the primary primary one that okay, what is your name? In Lagos, and the child said, told them the name. What's your father's name? He said, Olori Buruku. What is your father's name? He said, Oloshi. Really? It's real? Yes. Wow. Oloshi for the father, Oloshi for the mother. Because those were the things they repeatedly say almost every now and then when they are annoyed, when they are quarreling, and they forget that they have a child they are bringing up, and the child is already recording it in the brain. Everything. Everything. He grew up, started schooling, and the first thing they asked when they asked about the name, he has even forgotten that the father has a it's name. Different. Wow. The Oloribuku and the Oloshi. And in, in most cases, we don't even know our, our mother's name. It's the father's name we first know because we have to register ourselves as uh, Elizabeth Oluwatoi in this. <laughs> but the child now, instead of saying the said Oloribuku, and then the mother said Oloshi. Wow. So I, I just use that as an example just to let us know that from the zero one day, from the first day to the first three years of that child, the child has learned a lot of, from everybody at home, from grandma, from cousin, from uncle, anybody staying with them. And this is even one of the reasons why anyone staying with us should be somebody that is also you know, that, that somebody that also uh, will be good inspiration to the child be a good example to the child, whether you are home as a mother and father or you are not home, you know that the person that is at home is not bad influence to that baby. Wow. Don't say because the baby cannot express, cannot talk. So you just leave the child with somebody who is always abusing yeah. and things like that. So it starts from there. Wow. That's, that's really deep. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. And, and at least I'm sure anyone who is listening would know that um, parenthood starts from the get-go. The minute you have your baby, parenthood has started. There's even this interesting course I did when um, about child rights. And it was interesting to learn from some um, psychologists that children even start learning from the, uh, from the womb. So they hear things. Yeah. Some children who come already, yes, they already come timid because even from the womb, they heard shoutings and all that. So they come out already afraid. Found. And I'm like, wow, is this real? <laughs> and they gave examples and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> so thank you so much, man. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you have questions, reservations, comments or opposing views you can send us a dm at satire africa on instagram or better still you can email us at satire using satirepress at gmail.com thank you